Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in the book of Jude. Um, we're going to look at the whole book, so that means you can say that you read a whole book of the Bible today. We're in Jude. We, we don't say chapter 1 or anything like that because there's only one chapter. Um, so we'll say Jude 3 or Jude 10 or whatever it might be. Jude is my favorite book in the New Testament, that along with the Gospel of John. Um, I like it uh, because it's it's a weird book. Um, for the sake of our devotion, we won't be able to get into a lot of the, the weirdness of it. Uh, but if you'll come on Wednesday nights, either in person or live stream, um, we're going to explore the book of Jude in some detail. So it's actually starting tonight uh, at 630. Uh, we're actually going to look at some of the background issues of, of Jude and particularly its relationship to Second Peter. Um, so tonight's going to be more more of that. And starting next week, Lord willing, we'll start the actual looking at the text. Uh, but Jude is all about um, identifying and um, contending for, uh, identifying false teachers and contending for the right faith. Um, and so uh, the part that most people remember is the part where he's identifying false teachers and uh, and how he compares them and whatnot. Um, but we, we dare not miss the, the latter half of the book as well. Let's start with his call to to, to, of, of identifying these false teachers. It starts in verse 3. Beloved, although I am very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Certain persons have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot there. Um, but you, you get the idea of, of the purpose of the letter. First of all, he, he says the letter was initially to be a general letter where common faith was, was shared. Um, and uh, it wasn't going to be contentious. It wasn't going to be anything like that. However, word has gotten to him that false teachers have crept into the church and they are threatening um, the purpose of the church, the identity of the church, and the calling of the church. Remember what we said about... Uh, to Peter, particularly chapter two, in that bad theology led to um, poor character and righteousness. Well, that's really what Jude is saying here. He's saying that um, we were going to write about our common salvation. That's a theological language. However, I've seen that there are people who have crept in who have no functional understanding of the gospel. And, and as a result, I'm begging you to contend for the faith. Don't don't allow the gospel to be corrupted, but rather keep it pure. And one of the things about Christianity is that it doesn't it, it doesn't change um, based off of culture, um, um, norms, or language, or anything like that. Rather that that the uh, the gospel we believe in today is the same gospel. Uh, for the last 2,000 years, and it's imperative that we don't compromise the truth of Christianity for what is convenient now, right? Um, that has been the lie of liberalism. Liberal theology has said that if, if we tweak these the, the difficult parts of Christianity, then the world will like us. Uh, well, that pragmatic approach to the gospel has actually emptied um, a, a, most liberal churches and denominations. Why go to church when... You can turn on uh, anything on TV or just go to a bar and you're going to get the same theology. Um, if you need community, you can get that just about anywhere, um, except during COVID, of course. So um, so 
Jude is concerned that there are those who are corrupting the gospel to make it more uh, um, uh, popular for the age, that reflects the age, and we, we get a lot of Greek thought coming in through here. But rather, he says, you, you, that which you have received, you must uh, pass on. So contend for the faith once we're all delivered to the saints. He says that people have crept in unnoticed, um, and he says that you notice that they were designated for this condemnation. So God will condemn them in this life or the next. And he spends quite a bit of time developing that theme. Uh, and he, he describes them as ungodly people um, who pervert the grace of God into sensuality. Is ESV, I grew up with the term licentiousness, uh, which is just a rich term that we, we need to bring back. Um, maybe in a post uh, pandemic world, we can bring a word like that back. Uh, but you'll notice at, at the core of, of of their moral doctrine is that they deny uh, our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things that Jude's going to argue, he says that in in surrendering the the sovereign lordship of of Christ, which you get as a result is um, a surrendering to slavery of the flesh. And so, in denying the identity of Jesus, we try to make ourselves divine. Uh, we use this language all the time. We, we've talked about in these devotions before. Um, and what you end up getting out of that is slavery. If you if you think the purpose of life is self actualization, what you're going to find is a slavery to a depraved being. Right? And so, so what you have here in Jude, and we see it in our time, that the only the only God we're listening to is the self. And as a result, um, they surrendered themselves to a lot of uh, moral unrighteousness. So what he does, I don't want to spend forever on this because we'll spend a lot of time on it in, in our uh, Bible study uh, later this 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 month, um, is he looks to the Old Testament. So he starts with looking at um, Egypt that enslaved the Jews in verse 5, the Nephilim or the fallen angels in verse 6. Um, you can probably hear our cat. Hold on. Okay. Um, and then there's Sodom and Gomorrah, verse 7. Um, obviously, you see these themes of judgment. Judgment came upon uh, Egypt. Judgment came upon um, fallen angels and in, in, uh, in prior to Noah. And then, of course, judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And there's a common theme through them, and that is the, the idea of sensuality and slavery. The two are related. And then he adds, verse 8, in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. And so we, we see there is no respect of a truth in God's authority, and thus live the lives that they want to live. Um, and then he, he goes back to the Old Testament. He mentions Michael in verse 9, um, and then he says, verse 10, These people blaspheme all that they do not understand. They are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. You may re recall similar language in 2 Peter 2, uh, unreasoning animals. Um, what you have here is that when we surrender ourselves to indulge the flesh, we are no different than wild animals, um, just driven by instinct and not by uh, integrity, character, or morality, or righteousness, or holiness. Um, he goes on back to the Old Testament. Verse 11, it mentions Balaam and Cain, um, two, two, two examples there. And then he adds, verse 12, These are hidden reefs at your love feast. They feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds, 
swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead uprooted, wild waves of the sea, catching up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Now, there is a lot there, um, but I want to highlight some of the uh, imagery that, that you have there. Um, they are hidden reefs, so um, it should be obvious, but for whatever reason, they've crept in unnoticed, they're, they're, they're hidden, and, is a, and then it's imperative that, that we make it clear what the true gospel is so they, they cannot um, um, deceive. Uh, by the way, love feast, uh, the, the agape feast, what the early church would do is they would celebrate the Lord's Supper as a, what we might today call a fellowship meal. It was called an agape feast. And so uh, it, it would be a, um, a large meal, and part of that would be the Lord's Supper. And is that term, love feast, agape feast, um, that became a phrase that the uh, Romans didn't understand. So they accused Christians of incest and cannibalism. Um, because they were at something called a love feast with brothers and sisters in Christ, and then they would eat the body and drink the blood of a man named Jesus. Jesus was a fairly common name in, in Judea. So so they were accused of incest and uh, cannibalism. Do with that whatever you want. That's a, that's a free little uh, nugget there. Um, it goes on, uh, the fruitless trees in late autumns, waterless clouds, uh, uprooted, twice dead, very strong languages, uh, wild waves of the sea, uh, casting up the foam of their own shame, their wandering stars, right, and and that darkness is reserved. So, so saying that in this life there there is uh, they're hidden, yes, but but there's a tossing back and 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 fro. There's an uneasiness about their life, uncertainty about their life, and and that there isn't anything of substance there, just driven by the flesh, and and so not only is there a lostness there. There is also a, a destruction that that awaits them, um, and then he goes back to the Old Testament, verse fourteen. He looks at Enoch, seventh of Adam, uh, as one of the more controversial passages, as well as the Michael the Archangel early on. So I, I don't want to spend forever on that. And then verse sixteen, he summarizes them again. These are grumblers, malcontents, follow their own sinful desires. They are loud mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. So you, you've noticed the, the the pattern here. You have. Um, a summary of, of who they are, reference to the Old Testament, summary of who they are, uh, examples of the Old Testament, right, and so on and, and so forth. And the idea is, is to say that uh, God judges those who corrupt the gospel. He will con condemn them in this life or the next. And so much like in Second Peter 2, judgment was a major theme that led to his discussion on the end times, uh, to be patient and await anxiously for, for Christ to, to, to bring judgment. So too, Jude picks up these same themes. Look, God is consistent throughout history and time, whether we're talking about uh, slavery in Egypt or Balaam or Cain um, or any of the others. Um, God consistently condemns those who corrupt the gospel, uh, particularly those who come into the church, like Balaam tried, to corrupt the people of God. There is judgment waiting for them. Then notice he, 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 he says, don't just look at them, look at yourself here. Be aware of this, and, and this is what you should be doing. So skip down to verse 20. You, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, there's a lot there. Build yourself up in the faith and pray, right? In, in other words, develop the spiritual disciplines, prayer, uh, scripture, meditation, fasting, worship, giving, humility, rest, 
all of them, and, and there's dozens of them. I did a whole sermon series on, I think it was like six or seven. Uh, could have could have easily have I've done a lot more, um, but uh, find you a, a quality book on the spiritual disciplines. Cultivate them. Um, the uh, pandemic is a great time to to do that. Uh, verse twelve: Keep yourselves in the love of God. Uh, wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Very similar to Second Peter three, sort of in a nutshell, what he says there. Uh, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. In other words, what he's saying is, is what we ought to be doing is cultivating the spiritual disciplines, growing in the faith, and do all that we can to, to draw people back to the faith. So this is the language of church discipline, isn't it? Yes, there are those that there must be, um, the church must discipline, but that doesn't mean you just get rid of people, but rather you, you want to win them back to the true saving faith. Um, and that, and there's, there's guards laid out there. Um, those who doubt, those who, um, um, who are much farther in, so on and so forth. And then the doxology is really the richest part of, of this. It, it's really a, maybe a passage you, you should memorize. It's only two verses, verse 24 and 25. It's how he ends the, uh, the book. To him who's able to keep you from stumbling, right? That, that's what they're at risk of, do, of, of having being done to them. Present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Man, what an ending. Good stuff. Jude is a fun book. It's, it's a difficult book, which is why, why I like it. It's got a lot of controversy with it. Uh, but it's, it's an important book because how many of us right now are uh, in, in our culture right now um, that um, cultural Christianity is, 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 um, has... has um, saturated our churches long enough and then you add to it the, the constant threat of cultural secularism and liberal theology into the church so this book is always timely contend for the faith once we're all delivered to the saints and um, that is an ongoing work let us be faithful to it hope to see you guys here tomorrow i think i'll be in the office tomorrow um, so we'll get some form of normality uh, but we'll start the book of revelation no controversy there is there Hope to see you then.